0: hallelujah 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 thank you Lord Jesus well if you haven't done it yet the Bible says to lift your voice so why don't you lift your hands and just let a hallelujah out let a thank you Jesus flow out of you out of your innermost being shall flow rivers hallelujah Jesus I love you go ahead you say it yourself I love you Jesus I thank you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is so good to us. I thank of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Hallelujah. Why don't you give someone around you a high five and be seated? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for the mercies, the grace, a God that keeps reaching Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. There's nothing like, first of all, knowing you're saved, but then being thankful for the fact that you're saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I am, I am so happy to uh, be here with you, wonderful people of God. And it is a privilege to always come here and to minister to you. And uh, to all of our guests, I would personally like to say thank you for coming. Thank you for being here and worshiping the Lord with us. It's an honor to have each and every one of you here. And uh, we are going to continue, and I will be doing some uh, teaching today and um, and a little bit of preaching, but we're going to be looking at the scriptures and studying the scriptures. And uh, we are in a study uh, that is called the, the Principles and Practices of the Book of Acts Church. The principles and the practices of the Book of Acts Church. And uh, last week uh, we talked about the principle, the fact that the New Testament church believed that there was one God. They were oneness in their theology. Oneness in their theology they believe that that there was hero O with the Lord our God is one Lord They believe that God came and manifest himself in the flesh that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man uh, They believe that and they taught that and we talked about that was the principle and the practice a principle without a practice is worthless If you just say, I have a principle, but you don't act on that principle, it don't mean anything. And the the, the practice is that they serve that God. If I believe that there's one God, I should serve that one God. Can I hear an amen? And and I should pray to that one God. Uh, If we don't pray and we say we believe in God, there's something wrong. If there is a God that created all things and we believe that and we do, we should pray to that God. And also, if there is one true living God, we should worship that one true and living God. Amen. So these are five principles that we are talking about. They were oneness in their theology. They were apostolic in their doctrine. They were Pentecostal in their experience. They were holiness in their lifestyle. And they were Christ-like in their character. These are the five things I think that you will find Uh, that permeate everything of the book of Acts church and the New Testament church as a whole. And so we talked about there was oneness in their theology. Now we're going to be talking about the fact that they were apostolic in their doctrine. Apostolic in their doctrine. Now we are talking about the principles and practices of the book of Acts church. A principle is a fundamental truth. Uh, It is the foundation of a system, of a a belief, a behavior. These are the core of who you are and what you are. They are your principles. And so we are talking about this principle of the apostolic church. What is the, the, the fact that they were apostolic in their Doctrine what are we talking about when we say they were apostolic in their doctrine you talk about being apostolic you are talking about that the fact that you are what the apostles were to be apostolic is saying that you're going back to the original apostles. That's what the word apostolic is talking about. You look up the word apostolic age and it's talking about uh, when the apostles uh, walked and lived and what they did. But what those apostles did is they took what Jesus taught them and they spread it everywhere they went. And it continues on to this day. So to be apostolic is talking about not uh, just going based on what uh, our our best friend thanks or this person we met once upon a time thanks uh let me tell you the person that you met once upon a time and the preacher that got up and preached once upon a time uh even here today this pastor preaching today is not what's going to save you if this pastor is not preaching what's in this book you're not going to be saved i don't care who told it to you i don't care what they said the Bible says the word of God will judge us in the end. So that's why you got to get in the book. And I tell this church all the time, don't just listen to what I say. Go home and study it. Get in the book for yourself. Well, glory. Glory. And so, to be apostolic is to have that that principle uh, of, of going back to the early church, and the fact that they were apostolic in doctrine, what we are talking about a doctrine is a teaching a doctrine is is, is a certain fundamental understanding of what is being taught it is the, the particular principle, the position the policy the uh Uh, What is taught, what is advocated, uh, these are the doctrines. And so when we talk about doctrine, we're talking about what the apostles actually taught. So to say that they were apostolic in their doctrine, they were the apostolics. They were the apostles. But what happened is everyone that heard them in the early church teach, they continued doing what they taught. And so that's what we are talking about, being apostolic in doctrine. And it's important what the apostles said. I've heard people actually, this blows my mind, they try to put against each other, Jesus said this and Peter said this. Do you know that Jesus did not write physically, write a word of this? The only thing we know of that he wrote, there's two things that we know that God himself wrote. One as Jehovah God, the Old Testament. Two is a Jesus. Jehovah God, the Old Testament, he took his own finger and he wrote the Ten Commandments. What we call the Ten Commandments. He wrote those first tablets. And those, Moses got mad at the people and broke them. He got upset. And I always talk about this. I just think it's funny that God, the Bible says God hewed those stones out himself but the second time when moses went to get him again god told moses you go carve out your own stones and bring them up to the top of the mountain you didn't appreciate it when i did it for you and you broke them i didn't tell you to do that so you do it yourself it's kind of like we give our kids everything and they break it and make them work for it my wife told my son the other day i'm going to make you buy the next bottle of ketchup you just like squirting trying to make Mickey Mouse? You appreciate it when you work on it a little bit yourself, but God wrote that, the other thing that he wrote as the man Christ Jesus, was in the dust of the ground when the woman was caught in adultery, and we have no idea what he wrote there. So to say, well, Jesus wrote this, they wrote that, no, the Bible says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, which literally means all scripture is God breathed, God is the one that spoke to to Isaiah and said, write this, and God's the one that spoke to Jeremiah and said, write it this way, and God's the one that spoke to David, and God's the one that spoke to Peter, and God's the one that spoke to Paul, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, all scripture That's why it's important that you rightly divide the word of truth It's important that you rightly divide the word of truth Bible talks about here a little and there a little If you're going to get truth out of the word of God You do not just try to isolate one scripture and make a doctrine out of it you find what the Bible teaches as a whole, and you understand this is what the Bible is teaching. I told you we we're going to be teaching a little bit here today. And so they're apostolic in their doctrine. And this is what the, um, the, the G- Jesus speaking in John 17 and 20. He says, neither pray I for these alone. But for them also which should believe on me through their word. Jesus is saying the apostles are going to be the one that takes what I teach and spreads. So he was praying for us. Jesus was praying for us because we are believing on him through the apostles' word. And that's exactly how God set it up. You know, he had opportunity. In Acts chapter 10, an angel shows up to Cornelius. This is a good man, a devout man. He prays for people. He's, uh, he's giving money. He's doing all kinds of stuff. And the angel shows up to him and says, your prayers have been heard by God. Awesome, powerful, incredible. But the angel looks at him and says, go get Peter. He's going to tell you what to do to be saved. I mean, I'm sitting, I'm thinking, well, you're here right now. Don't you know, Mr. Angel? The angel was there. But that wasn't God's design. He said, they're going to believe on me through the apostle's word. And so even though an angel was there, the angel would not tell him how to be saved. He said, go get Peter. Bring him over here. He's going to tell you. Jesus himself appears as a light on the road to Damascus to Saul of Tarsus. Later become the apostle Paul. He shows up. He looks up and says, Who art thou, Lord? And the, the light shows up and says, I am Jesus. The Lord introduced himself as Jesus. Do you not think that Jesus knew what happened to him? Jesus could have said, this is what you're going to do now. This is how it's going to happen. But he didn't. He said, you go to a certain house, the street called straight. I'm going to go get Ananias. He's going to come over here. He's going to help you get saved. The way the word of God works is that the apostles preached what Jesus taught them and those that believed on them through their word were saved. So Jesus had an opportunity to share the gospel, but he didn't. He said, I need a brother Roland and I need a brother Timothy and I need a brother Osborne, I need a brother Madison. I need somebody that can go and tell someone the gospel. And when the apostles preached, they listened. The Bible says they listened to the apostles and they continued in the apostolic doctrine. It says it in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. They continued in what the apostles originally taught. They did not get their little Holy Ghost experience and go do their own thing. They continued, not just continued, but continued steadfastly. Fastly, steadfastly as you plant in your feet on a rock and say come what may I ain't moving from this spot I will continue and I'm here to tell you in in 2015 I'm still standing faster in the apostles doctrine I still believe the Bible from cover to cover I believe that this book is the only way that shows you the way of salvation I believe Jesus Christ is the way the truth and the life. uh, I get excited uh, when I think about uh, I've got a sure foundation. uh, I've got a cheap cornerstone. uh, I've got a God that loved me enough. Now, the apostles' doctrine is everything that the apostles taught. When you talk about the apostolic doctrine... And to say we're apostolic in our doctrine, we're talking about in every way that the apostles preached. So, for instance, every way they taught people how to pray. That's the apostles' doctrine. It's important that we listen and focus. They taught people everything that Jesus taught them, and they passed it on how to fast. When you read the Apostles' Doctrine, you're going to find out how to live a separated life unto the Lord. You're going to read that there's only one God. You're going to read how to treat one another. That's part of the Apostles' Doctrine. How we treat each other is very important. How we treat people in this world, how we treat even our enemies. It goes and teaches this stuff all of that is the apostles doctrine It tells us how to how to judge people That's right I'm in a series on Wednesdays uh, uh, here and there. I'm not hitting it every Wednesday But one of the things we taught is the fact that God tells us to judge people that say the Bible says don't judge They're not reading the whole verse They're not reading the whole the subject matter He's not telling us not to judge. He's telling us how to judge. And he's saying don't be judgmental when you've got a big beam in your own eye. But what he does go on to say is get the beam out of your eye. Why? So you don't mess with nobody else? No. So you can help get the mote out of your brother's eye. He's not telling us not to judge. He's telling us make sure you got the right spirit when you start judging things. Well, see? Looky there. You're going to have to get that whole sermon. It teaches us how to love our husbands, the apostles' doctrine. It teaches us how to love and to treat our wives. It teaches us how to be a good employee and an employer. It teaches you to work as unto the Lord and not try to fake out your employer to make him think you're doing the job when you're really cutting all kind of corners. That's part of the apostles' doctrine. Teaches us how to live moral lives. Teaches us about uh, everything about how we should conduct ourselves with the opposite sex. It it goes through all of these things. All of it is the apostles' doctrine. But today I want to focus on the core of the apostolic doctrine. Most importantly, they preached about how to love and how to treat people and how to, how to handle your finances and how to handle this and how to handle that. But most importantly, they preached Jesus. And they did not just preach about him in a hypothesis mindset, but in reality, what he did for us. This is one of the primary teachings. It is the epicenter, the core of the apostolic Doctrine you find it in everything I'm gonna be preaching during these things you find You find it in the first sermon That that went forth in uh, Acts chapter 2 the very the birth of the church happens in Acts chapter 2 That's when the Holy Ghost first falls on people and their lives are forever changed. It happens in the book of Acts chapter 2 And you find all these things discussed there Last week we talked about the oneness of God there, but here you find it, and he is, he, he is going through this. This mindset. Remember, he's talking to Jews and he's trying to help them understand that the son Jesus, which is the son of David, uh, through the lineage of David, uh, and he's preaching to them. In Acts chapter 2 verse 22, he says, And ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know. Now let me just stop here and say this. It's important that you don't chase after miracles because they will not last Because he's letting them know it's the same people, the same God the same man God in Christ that did all the miracles He's the same one that you rejected Let me tell you if you're living from one miracle if God does this miracle for me and do that miracle for you And all these little supernatural things if that's all you're after It won't be long till you reject God After the the loaves and the fishes, you've got to sink your teeth into some strong doctrine of the word of God. And whatever comes, uh, whatever goes, uh, whether you get your miracle or not, and you know I believe in miracles, uh, you are going to stand. All right, that has nothing to do with my message. I just felt like saying it. 23. He being delivered by the determined counsel and the foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by wicked hands, and you have crucified and slain him. He is talking about Jesus Christ, the fact that he was crucified, the fact that you killed him. That's what he's talking about. And he is comparing it now to David when you look in verse 27. Because... Um, uh, it says, Thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither shall I suffer thy holy one to see corruption, that thou mayst know to me uh, the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy uh, with thy countenance, all the power and the glory that was coming here. Men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us to this day. Verse 31, uh, him uh, seeing this before spake of the resurrection of christ and his soul was not left in hell neither shall his his flesh did see corruption this jesus hath god raised up therefore we are all witnesses what he is preaching here in the very first message is the gospel it is the death the burial and the resurrection he is comparing it to david he said you crucified jesus but david died and he's still in the tomb but jesus died you have you been over there lately he's not in that tomb anymore he's got up out of that place he's left this place. And what this is, is the gospel. Now, if you know what the gospel is, raise your hand very quickly. Awesome. Put your hand down. A lot of people think they know what the gospel is, but they don't know what the gospel is. They talk about the gospel. The gospel is a really important statement. And uh, most of the time, you ask what the gospel is, people will either say uh, it's the first four books of the Bible, or they'll say it's the good news. Well, both of those could be uh, true, but that's not really what the gospel is. It, the good news is a very certain and very particular thing. And what is that good news? Now, let me just tell you something. Right now, they have what's called a March Madness happening. March Madness. That means there's, they're playing ball nonstop. These college... Kids are just playing and playing and playing their little hearts out. And you know what? Every time the ball goes through the hoop, everyone just cheers and yells. You don't think they've ever seen a ball go through a hoop before? seen it but you know what they know that's it that's the goal and let me tell you every time you hear the gospel if you know what it is you shouldn't go oh I know what that is you should go that's it that's the goal that's what I'm excited about you shouldn't go oh I know what the gospel is I know a ball goes through a hoop no no it's exciting that's the goal to teach the preach, the gospel of Jesus Christ we ought to be very excited every time someone explains the gospel least if you're good fans you do (laughs) sad fans are like uh, a good fan you're like
1: yeah.
0: okay it's the gospel what is the gospel now I want this church to be established on the apostles doctrine because that's what it's that that's our foundation and the core of it is the teaching of the gospel what is the gospel? Paul told us and, and, and lets us know what the gospel is here in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the... Whenever we well, get on the same page or the same wall, in this case. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the... The gospel. That's what he's about to tell us. He's about to let us know what the gospel is, which I have preached unto you, which ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Let me just say that again. Go back. I'm sorry. Verse 2. Which I have preached. We should preach the gospel. You should receive the gospel, then stand in the gospel. Preach it, receive it, stand on it. Preach it, receive it, stand on it. That's how you treat the gospel. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved. How are we saved? By the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which you received, wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved. Right? So it's very important we know what the gospel is. If if you keep in memory which I have preached unto you, lest ye believe in vain. For I uh, delivered unto you first of all that which I received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So he says, I'm going to tell you what the gospel is. Here it is. Ready? This right here. The ball's about to go through the hoop. It is his death, burial, and resurrection. That worked pretty good. Now my job is to be like, yeah, that's my next step. Be seated. That worked pretty good. Good job. It's the death, it's the burial, and it's the resurrection. This is the gospel. What Jesus did, what Jesus did is that he came down, this sinless person, this man that knew no sin. He didn't do anything wrong. Ever. Which is why I said I would hate to be one of his siblings. Jesus never acted like that. I can just hear my mom saying that. Look at Jesus. Jesus wouldn't say that to me. Jesus appreciated the fact I gave birth to him in a barn. Look at you. Perfect. No problems. He is a sinless man that goes around and does good for people. And the people that were scared to approach everyone else had no problem approaching Jesus. Lepers come to him. Harlots came to him. Tax collectors came to him. Everybody that everyone else went away from, they knew there was something about this Jesus I could get close to. This is the man, Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you here today, I don't care who you are or what your background is, you can come to Jesus and feel safe. You can come to Jesus and find a God that loves you, that cares for you. You can find that Savior. Thank you, Jesus. But this Jesus, they came in the night while he was praying for their souls. While he was weeping over their sin. They came in the night with torches flickering and swords clanking on their armors. And they took him In the night even as they were taking him he was healing them they took him to a trial that was all mocked up there was no no rules to this trial they broke the rules their own rules they broke it at night You you can't try someone at night all these different things that they did there was no witnesses that would agree with each other about what he supposedly done wrong all these rules were broken but yet he allowed himself uh, to keep his mouth shut and walk through the process. He goes before and sees the people that he loves, that he prayed for, that he cried, that he healed their relatives. As he stands there with a man named Barabbas that was a murderer and a killer. And he watched those people choose him over himself. This perfect man. This perfect man allows himself to be strapped to a post and beaten Till his internal organs were exposed, they say. This man goes up and carries a cross to Golgotha, the place of the skull. There he is suspended between heaven and earth. There they mock him. They spit on him. They, They strike that crown of thorns deeper and deeper into his brow. There at his feet... They gamble for his clothing. They mock him. Oh, you saved others. Save yourself. There between two thieves, he dies. When we say the death of Jesus, we're not talking about some little thing that happened. It was a horrific event that took place to a perfect man that does nothing but love us. On that cross, He gave his last breath. And at that point, when should I forgive people? You want the example of Jesus? We're Christians, right? That means to be Christ-like. You want to know when you ought to forgive people? Jesus' example, while they're doing it to you. While he's on the cross, while they're mocking him, he looks down. He hasn't even died yet. But he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the moment to forgive somebody. And don't don't hold a grudge at all. At any time. Let it go. Eli Eli Lama Sabothani, he cries my God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? This is when the the, the Father, the Spirit, the all-powerful God comes out of the man Christ Jesus so that that flesh could die. There he dies on the cross and they look at him. They come by him. They realize he's dead. They pierce his side. Out comes blood and water and it goes all over the ground. At that point, they realize he is dead. They check, make sure, yes, he is dead. They take him. They pull him off the cross uh, and they put him uh, after hours and hours and hours of, of hanging up there dead they pull him off the cross uh, and they put him uh, in a borrowed tomb uh, they roll the stone in front of it uh, but he didn't stay there uh, yes he was buried uh, that's the gospel uh, he died uh, he was buried uh, but I say again uh, he borrowed a tomb uh, because he wasn't going to need it very long uh, just three days uh, I don't need my own tomb for three days uh, I'm just going to borrow one thank you very much uh, and he gets in there uh, and on the third day uh, when the sun begin to rise there was also the son of god that began to rise up out of that tomb that's the gospel it's the death the burial the resurrection of jesus christ that's how much he loved me that's how much he loved you go ahead take a moment and do what you're doing take a moment and thank him take a moment and worship him Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, you may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's the gospel. When I say the gospel, that's what I'm talking about. It's a little word, you just say it and you move on. But that's what I'm talking about. He died. He was buried. And he rose again. Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel, how that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. So that's the gospel. And Paul in his letter to the Romans, he wrote Romans 1:16, for I am not ashamed Of the gospel of Christ They wanted him to be ashamed Because of what a horrible death Your savior Died with the thieves Your savior Was put to an open shame He said I'm not ashamed of that I'm not ashamed Because he loved me he did that Say what you want to say about my Jesus. I am not ashamed of what he did. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, what is the it referring to? The gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first. Also, to the Greek, I don't care who you are. This is not telling you, by the way, how to be saved. It's telling you who could be saved. That's right. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. But then later he writes in Galatians 1, 8 and 9, starting actually at verse number 6. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed. He says, I marvel that you are so quickly, so soon removed from him that called you unto his grace, unto the grace of Christ, unto another gospel. Huh. Verse 7, which is not another. It's not another gospel. Are there other good news you can get? Yes, but not the particular news that the gospel really means. That's why if you just throw up, it's the good news. You're right, but you could also be wrong. Because there's lots of good news. I got the good news years ago, almost... uh, Coming close to nine years, I can't believe it, that I was gonna be a daddy. That was good news. A couple years later, I got more good news. I'm gonna have a girl. A few more years after that, I got more good news. I'm gonna have another child, Joshua. Those are good news. Just good news. What is the good news? It is that Christ died, he was buried. And he rose again. That's the good news. He said, I marvel that you're so soon removed. It's blowing my mind that you're letting this go. You'd be believing in another gospel, which is not another. But people are perverting the gospel of Christ, it says at the end of verse 7. Verse 8, but though we, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, any other gospel than what? Than the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If anyone, I don't care if it's an angel that shows up, or we change our minds, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have already preached, let Him be a curse He said curse that angel Curse that apostle Curse any man Curse any woman That will try to pervert the the gospel That God loved me enough to die To be buried And to rise again And just in case you think he's kidding He says it again in verse 9 But we, as we said before, just in case you think I stuttered, just in case you think I was kidding, as we have said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have received, let him be accursed. The gospel is the death, the burial. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the principle that we stand on. That is the principle that the apostles died for. That was the foundation. The principal thing. That they lived for. But a principle without a practice is worthless. They obeyed the gospel, they taught the gospel, the doctrine of the apostles. Because if there is no principle go with it, there's issues. For instance, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse number 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on all, in all them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a principle that Christ died. He was buried, and he rose again. But this scripture is letting us know there's not only a principle that he did it. There is a practice. A practice is an actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method as opposed to just a theory. It's not just a theory we throw out there that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. That is a principle we stand on. But beyond that, there was a practice, because here it says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on all them that know not God and obey. Not that believe not the gospel. He's he's not saying those that just don't believe the gospel. He's saying those that obey not the gospel. Is he saying that we have to go get beaten, beaten, nailed to a cross, and thrown into the grave so we can do what Jesus did. No, but is there actions? Because if I tell my child, do this, obey me, that means there's actions I want them to take. If I don't give someone an action step, there is no point of me saying, obey me. be like me walking into the house, telling my children, obey me. Uh, okay. What do you want me to do? You obey me right now. Uh, okay. Then they start doing a little dance, you know. What do I do, Daddy? What do I do, Daddy? Daddy, what do I do? What do I do, Daddy? Obey me. If, if, the, if the obedience word is used... That means there's an action that you can take Because the principle Is the death the burial the resurrection So how do we Obey the gospel Hmm. I'm glad you asked See there's two parts Of the practice It says in Acts chapter 1 verse number 1 These former treatings have I made Old Theophilus of all the things that Jesus began both to do and teach do and teach do and teach There are two things there there is a doing of the practice and a teaching of the practice If we are going to say we are apostolic in our doctrine We must have that principle of the of the core apostolic doctrine And all the doctrines of the apostles but for sure the core apostolic doctrine But then we must obey and teach we must do and teach Those are the two pieces to this puzzle So what is the gospel? We said it's the death, the burial, the resurrection. How do we obey this? I'm not going to go through every scripture. Let me just quote them to you real quick. The Bible tells us that... um that we we die out to sin we do not literally die we die out to sin when we turn away from our old life uh, and we start moving towards jesus christ Uh, that is the bible says we are dead to sin we are no longer living in sin that's how we obey his death we obey his death by repentance that's why we always talk about repentance it's saying you've got to not go your own way die out to your own way so you can go after the things of god that is repentance that how do we obey his burial the bible very clearly says that we are buried with him by baptism how do you obey his burial when you go down in the name of Jesus Bible says we're buried with him who was buried Jesus. So when we are buried, we're buried in the name of Jesus, just like the apostles did it, how they taught. And so that's how you obey his burial. How do you obey his resurrection? The Bible says when the Holy Ghost comes in, it brings newness of life. Uh, and that same resurrected power that comes inside of us uh, is the same resurrected power that raised Christ from the dead. So how do we obey the death, the burial, the resurrection? We do that by repentance, uh, baptism in Jesus' name, uh, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, That is the practice uh, that goes with the principles. uh, And I just made a three-point shot. Uh, We ought to praise God for that. You can be saved. You liked that, didn't you? Three-point shot. Death, burial, resurrection. Way out beyond the ark. He said, if you're going to follow me, you you can't just believe the gospel. You've got to obey the gospel. What is it that the apostles actually taught? What did they preach? How is it that they they, they relayed this? Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, Peter just got done preaching what? The gospel. Right, he was talking about how that you killed Christ and David. You ki- David died too, but he's still in the tomb. His sepulcher is with us to this day. But not Jesus. He is preaching to them that David died, was buried, and he's still there. But Jesus, he died, he was buried, but he's resurrected. He just got done preaching the what? The gospel. So now he's saying, you got the principle. Let me give you the practice that goes with the principle. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart just like we were just a few minutes ago when I was talking about what Jesus did for us. Didn't it make you feel like, oh, my Lord, you love me that much? You cared that much for me? That's what happened to these guys. They were pricked in their heart. The Spirit of God touched them. They were pricked. They were stirred within. They said it to Peter, the rest of the apostles. That means all the apostles, the apostolic doctrine, they're all together in this thing. Peter's the spokesman, but they're all standing together. Earlier in the scriptures, it says Peter standing up with the 11. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? You gave me a principle, but I need you to give me a practice. You told me that Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected, but how do I, how do I make this part of my life? He says, great, I'm glad you got the principle. Now let me make sure you understand the practice. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What is that? The gospel. Repentance. Death. Death. Baptism, burial, resurrection, the Holy Ghost, that's that newness of life. He preaches the gospel, the first message. They said, I've got the principle. Now let me have the practice. I'll give you the practice. Repent of your sins. Get baptized in Jesus' name and get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the gospel in action. Huh. This is the practice of doing I'm talking about. Remember, all the things that Jesus began both to do and teach. This is the practice of doing. All the way through the book of Acts. It's the gospel. They repent. They're baptized. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the gospel. Acts 8, Acts 10. Let's look at Acts 19. And it came to pass... That why Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. I always like to point this out. These are certain disciples. Not he found rank sinners. Not finding the heathens. Don't say that. He says he found certain disciples. A disciple is someone that's doing their best to follow. But they did not have a full understanding they had an understanding of the principle, but not of the practice. They believed that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. They had their principle, but it's beyond the principle. You've got to get a hold of the practice. And so he is saying, wait a minute. He finds certain disciples, and he says, let me find out about these guys. He said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Again, let me point out these are believers. All right. And they said unto him, We have not so much of heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. What happened here? It was the gospel. It starts off, Hold on, let me find it again. Verse four. John barely baptized with a baptism of repentance. So what he's saying is that you are still at repentance. You have died out to some things, but you've got it'd be like Christ still hanging on the cross. You have died out to some things, but you haven't completed the gospel. So they right, they're already baptized with a baptism of repentance. That's the death. But then Paul began to tell them, hey, there's more to it than that. When they heard this, after he talked to them, they were baptized. That's the burial in the name of the Lord Jesus. And and the Bible says, and Paul laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And they spake with tongues and they prophesied. That is the death, the burial, the resurrection. What you must understand, there is a principle that we live and we stand on. It is a fact that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. Thank God for the principle. Now get the practice. Repent of your sins. Get baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's how you obey the gospel. He said obey it, obey it, obey it. That means there's actions repent be baptized be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's how you obey the gospel That's why Paul and others kept saying things like I'm not ashamed of the gospel very particular I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation I could spend a lot of time on that because there's more to say. But there's two parts of the practice. Everything that Jesus began both to do and teach. Apostolic in our doctrine. That's what we're talking about. Apostolic in our doctrine. First of all, be a doer of the word. Today, if you've got sin in your life, you need to come to this altar at the end or whenever God deals with you, and you need to repent of your sins. If you haven't been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus, you should be baptized. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost after you've repented and you've cleaned yourself out, you can lift your hands and begin to pray and to worship God. And God is so loving and so wonderful. I don't care who you are. He is no respecter of persons. He will put his spirit inside of you. And you can have it just like they did in the book of Acts where you begin to pray in that heavenly language. There is simply nothing like it in this world. I have to do this quickly. Do and teach. So the doing is the death, the burial, the resurrection, repentance, baptism, infilling of the Holy Ghost. But they also, you teach it. If you're apostolic in your doctrine, you need to both do and teach. Acts two forty-two. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Acts five twenty-eight. Saying did not. That these are people that were. Trying to stop the apostles they said did not we strictly command you that you should not teach in this name and behold You have filled jerusalem with your doctrine It wasn't that they just got baptized got filled with the holy ghost and and, and repented of their sins That's not what they did. It was beyond that They went everywhere teaching you, if you're going to be apostolic church, you cannot stop with just the doing. You've got to be part of the teaching. Teach the gospel everywhere you go. Look for an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. Where did they teach? Everywhere. Every opportunity. On the street corners. In houses. At the temple. Everywhere they could go. They taught the gospel. The Bible says in Acts 5, 42, And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. In the temple, every house, Bible studies, coffee houses. They kept talking about Jesus. And what do you think they talked about? His death, His burial, His resurrection. Everywhere they went. Paul says again in Acts 20, 20. He says, how I have kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. I'm telling you, if you're going to be apostolic in your doctrine, you must not only be doers, but teachers. Do and teach. Teach. The apostles' doctrine, the apostolic doctrine, must be obeyed, but it also must be taught by the church. Amen. They passed it on, Second Timothy 2 and 2. And these things which ye have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Saying, Brother Terrell, come here. I need you to know what the gospel is. It's the death, the bearer, the resurrection. Jesus did that for us. And you can obey it. You You can repent of your sins right now. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I commit that to you. Now go stand by somebody else. Commit it to someone else. That's what he said. Madison, come here. Madison, I want you to know that Jesus died for you. He was buried and he rose again. And this is how you obey the gospel. You repent of your sins. You're baptized in Jesus' name. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. Now go get with someone else. I've committed unto you. Now commit it to someone else and let it keep going on. That is how, if we're going to be apostolic in our doctrine, we've got to not just obey it. We've got to teach it everywhere we go. I've got to tell you the gospel. Now go get by someone else and share the gospel. That's what it's all about. We can't just sit here. And say we did it, thank God. But don't stop there, be a doer and be a teacher. That's apostolic, that's what the apostolic church did. They didn't just do it, they taught it everywhere they went. Hear me, stand with me right now. They believed this thing and they practiced it to the point. That Andrew, one of the apostles, was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten. Then he was crucified. James, the son of Itheus, he was stoned to death for the gospel. James, the son of Zebedee, he was beheaded for the gospel. It wasn't just a theory. It was something they gave their life for. Judas, not Iscariot. The other Judas was stoned to death. Matthew. He was speared to death. Peter, they said, was crucified upside down. Philip was crucified. Simon was crucified. Thomas was speared to death. Matthias was stoned to death. But there was something inside of them. Paul gave us a little window into his heart and his mind in Philippians 3 and 12 he said not as though I have already obtained neither am I already perfect but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus he said I'm after it because he touched me I see that with Elijah and Elisha this man of god let his cloak touch this young man and he left everything he left his ox and his plow and he began to follow this man of god and elisha followed elijah till he went up into glory i must apprehend that for which i've apprehended if you're here today and a few moments ago when we were worshiping and thanking god for the fact that he died was buried and rose again what you need to do is say i must apprehend I must get a hold of the thing that has got a hold of my heart. I must get a hold of the Jesus that loved me enough to die for me. I must get a hold of this Jesus. It was not a philosophy. we are apostolic in our doctrine, we need to believe it. The principle that we live by. But there must be a practice that we obey. And a practice that we teach it I don't know who you who you are And what's going on in your life I don't know if you've been a Christian for a long time I don't know if you're at the point That you need to obey it Or you're at the point that you should be teaching it Paul said to the church He said I had to feed you with milk And not with meat Because you're not able to bear it But in that he says you ought to be teachers by this point I'm telling you If you are Apostolic you need to not only believe that principle, you need to obey the principle, and you need to teach the principle and the practice of the apostolic doctrine. Send in your life. I serve a God that says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on me. Take, get a hold of what I have for you. You're gonna find it's a lot lighter. Than the things you're carrying around. He says, This, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. That's my God, my Jesus, my Savior, my Lord. If you're here today and you need to repent of your sins, we're about to move to the front. If you're here today and you've obeyed the gospel, but you have not allowed your life to reach the point that you begin to teach the gospel and to be that witness. You need to come and repent of that and let God know I need your help and I'm going to do it. Right now from the front to the back, I'm going to pray and then we're going to move. Right now in the name of Jesus, right now I pray that you'll help everyone here to make a good decision to come to you. God, I don't know how long they've been waiting, but Lord, I know you've been waiting on them ever since Calvary. You die for them, and you love them, and you care for them. God, and every church member here that keeps waiting until they know more and they can do more before they share the gospel, today let them make up in their mind, I am not going to wait any longer. I'm going to be apostolic in my doctrine. I'm going to teach the word of God. Right now, ask the person beside you, would you like to come pray, and would you come now? Will you fill this altar? Today, this altar should be filled with saints and sinners. Those that need to do and those that need to teach. In the name of Jesus. Those that need to obey the gospel. Those that know you need to start teaching the gospel. In the name of the Lord Jesus, make your way as close as you can to the front. Come on, you can't wait on your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister. You can't wait on somebody else to make a move. It's between you and God in the name of jesus you don't know what to do that's all right just close your eyes forget about who's around you and talk to god that's what you start doing forget about who's around you just say lord help me ministers begin to move right now altar workers begin to move right now let the holy ghost begin to lead you and guide you In the name of Jesus, if you haven't repented, repent today. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, get baptized today. If you haven't been filled with the Spirit, open your heart up to God. If you've repented, it's a promise. It's a promise. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, that's awesome. The Holy Ghost is flowing right now. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's a doctrine. That's the truth of the Word of God. It will last forever and ever. That's it. Go ahead. Obey God right now. All over this place. The Holy Ghost is
1: moving right now.
0: This is
1: our God. Yes, yes,
0: that's it. That's the Holy Ghost
1: right there. That's the Holy Ghost. Just open up to Him. Ask Him. Tell Him I love You, Jesus. I need You, Jesus.
0: Just obey God. Obey God. that's the Holy Ghost right there that's the Holy Ghost falling go ahead let those
1: tears flow let those tears flow